There we go. My microphone was off. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. So I can already tell listening in my headphones that you can hear that background noise. Maybe I should turn my gain down. Hang on a second. Can you still hear my voice? Oh, you can. Okay, so... All right. Well, the reason that I am in my office as opposed to in my closet is because I'm too damn lazy to bring all my stuff into the closet. But I wanted to have tea with you this morning. Here. Tink. Ah, Good morning. It's 10 o'clock. It's actually 9.58 on Friday, October 9th. TGIF. You made it to Friday. Above ground. Isn't that amazing? You deserve a fist bump for that. Um, Okay, so I'm very excited because today I have been called in as a last minute replacement for a captain at Manresa, which is a Jesuit spiritual renewal center that has several 12-step retreats a year, four for women, seven for men. And typically I captain, which is basically just host the ladies at the Christmas retreat. But the lady that does the fall retreat has fallen ill. She's um, unable to attend. So I was called in to see if I could do it. And guess what? I can. And I'm really excited about it, actually, because I look at it as a, it is a service position, but I get to serve and minister to the ladies in a very big time of fear. So I have prepared um, I'm bringing flowers for the check-in table. Now, Manresa is very serious, as is most institutions, about COVID-19 protocols. So it's going to be very different. There's a limited amount of people that can attend. We all have to be masked up. There are plexiglass barriers at check-in on the dining table so that we're in our own little corner, unexposed to other people. Um, it's going to be a very different retreat. So usually there's about 50 or 60 women. Manresa is allowing a capacity of 40. And today we have 18, which is great. Even if it was six, I'd be happy. So I've chosen a theme. Remember when I, oh no, did I read that story for you guys? It's in the story in the back of the big book. So every year when I captain a retreat, I pick a theme and I put it on the name tags that I make for the ladies. I don't know if I've read this one um, on here. Oh, guess what? We just found our next podcast. Hang on and let me see if I've already read this to you. Okay, no, I haven't. So I'm going to read it to you today. That's going to be the podcast. I wasn't expecting that. So my theme for the ladies today on their name tag will be, she keeps her hand in the hand of God. Without further ado, I'm going to read that story from the big book. It is, oh yes, I did read it to you. How come I didn't know that? God damn it. Okay, so I read it to you already. (laughs) You know, this is what you get when you tune into a podcast with me. It's not rehearsed. Anyways, it came from the second story I read you, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, there is a playlist here under the Two Sober Chicks podcast, and it's called Storytime. Stories from the Big Book. And this was from Story 2. So the last line in that story is says... I won't have to drink if I remember one simple thing, to keep my hand in the hand of God. So, 
that is the theme for the ladies. Anyways, we'll go back to my original plan, which is looking at the language of letting go for October 9th. And if today's your birthday, belly button or otherwise, happy birthday. You're amazing. You made it another year. Okay, October 9th. But from the language of letting go, daily meditations on codependency from Melody Beattie. I won't read like that. Self-disclosure. Learning to gently reveal who we are is how we open ourselves up to love and intimacy in our relationships. Many of us have hidden under a protective shell, a casing that prevents others from seeing or hurting us. We do not want to be that vulnerable. We do not want to expose our thoughts, feelings, fears, weaknesses, and sometimes our strengths to others. We do not want others to see who we really are. We may be afraid they might judge us, go away, or not like us. We may be uncertain that who we are is okay or exactly how we should reveal ourselves to others. That's a truck downstairs. Pretend you don't hear it. Being vulnerable can be frightening, especially if we have lived with people who have abused, mistreated, manipulated, or did not appreciate us. Little by little, we learn to take the risk of revealing ourselves. We disclose the real person within to others. We pick safe people and we begin to disclose bits and pieces about ourselves. Sometimes, out of fear, we may withhold, thinking that we help the relationship or will help others like us more. That is an illusion. Withholding who we are does not help us, the other person, or the relationship. Withholding is a behavior that backfires for true intimacy and closeness to exist. For us to love ourselves and be content in a relationship, we need to disclose who we are. That does not mean we tell all to everyone at once. That can be a self-defeating behavior too. We can learn to trust ourselves about who to tell, when to tell, where to tell, and how much to tell. To trust that people will love us and like us if we are exactly who we are is frightening, but it is the only way we can achieve what we want in relationships. To let go of our need to control others, their opinions, their feelings about us, or the course of the relationship is the key. Gently, like a flower, we can learn to open up. Like a flower, we will do that when the sun shines and there is warmth. Today, I will begin to take the risk of disclosing who I am to someone with whom I feel safe. I will let go of some of my protective devices and risk being vulnerable, even though I may have been taught differently, even though I may have taught myself differently. I will disclose who I am in a way that reflects self-responsibility, self-love, directness, and honesty. God, help me let go of my fears about disclosing who I am to people. Help me accept who I am and help me let go of my need to be who people want me to be. Oh, hallelujah. That was a message for me. Hang on, I'm going to take a sip of my tea. Ponder that for a moment while I take a sip of my black tea with milk and sugar. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're a RuPaul Drag Race fan like I am, binging like crazy, you will know what I mean when I say hallelujah. Okay. God, there's so much in this reading. First of all, the reason I love our fellowship in the 12-step program is because I 
it was the first time I had revealed to people what I thought were my horrible imperfections. I was raised by a mama who was perfection herself. And so to me, it was very important to maintain that image of Julie is perfect. She's a perfect wife. She's a perfect stepmother. She's a perfect neighbor. She's a perfect daughter. She's a perfect friend. And by not revealing myself and my insecurities and my vulnerabilities, I ended up drinking to the point where I almost died to stuff that down. And the best way to get us in a a downward spiral of addictive behavior is to push away who we are our feelings, our thoughts, our behaviors, to look at them as shameful and embarrassing. I am a person that believes in the devil, and I believe that one of the lies of the devil is you're not enough, you're horrible, what you did is awful, no one will forgive you, you're not as good as you think you are, you're an imposter, so many of us have imposter syndrome, you're an imposter. And why that's a lie is because God says things like, I love you. You're welcome here. You are perfect. I created every inch of you. I know every thought. I know every feeling. And I'm with you in your darkness. And you are enough. And I treasure you. And you're my favorite. So I like how in the Bible, Jesus refers to the devil as the father of lies. And the best way to counteract a lie is with the truth. Another lie is it'll never get better. I can't do it. Um, I can never, I, it will never get better. I can't do it. I deserve this as in bad things, suffering. Those are lies too, because the truth is you can do it. It might be hard, but you can do it. Our program teaches us we can't do it unless we have a connection with a higher power, which everyone can have. Also don't believe the lie that you can't have it because someone else does. And as women and men, if he's that, that means I'm not enough. If she's got that, then I don't have enough. That's also a lie. So if you find yourself, catch yourself believing something that makes you feel like shit and it's a lie, counteract it with the truth. Take the exact opposite. I will get through this. I can get this. It's going to happen for me. I was watching one of the guys that I follow on social media, Brendan Burchard. He's a motivational speaker. I just lost my train of thought. Sometimes when I try and think too much about what I'm going to say, it flies out of my head. Oh, he was talking about optimistic people and hands down the difference between um, successful people, however you want to define that, is it's just more than optimism. Optimism is believing that something good is going to happen. It's going to be okay. But enthusiastic people that have something they're looking forward to in the future are always... Uh, have better mental health, have better success in achieving their goals. So like being excited about something. And it can be, I'm so excited about having a turkey dinner on Monday. I'm so excited about Christmas to give my friend that gift. I'm so excited about winter because of the snow. Like having immediate things to look forward to in the future. I'm so excited that tomorrow I'm going to treat myself by going to the grocery store and picking up a cupcake and a really nice tea. Like get it, getting excited about stuff, especially now with The truth is that there is COVID. The lie is that is going to kill us all. So counteracting that by saying, okay, so I'm scared, but I'm also going to look forward to tomorrow. Because unless God tells me otherwise, between now and then, it's going to happen. So that's why I love our fellowship. Because I came in and I said, I'm fucking scared of 
everything and it's killing me and I'm unhappy in my marriage and it's killing me and I can't stop drinking and it's killing me and I feel like I'm the worst stepmother that ever lived and it's killing me and I punched my dog in the face the other day and I feel horrible and I don't believe in God and I'm terrified like just saying that stuff out loud you know um I drive drunk and I am ashamed I did Okay, so this is, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to reveal to you the most shameful thing I've never told another person in my life. May not be a big deal to some, but to me, this is something I've never told anyone. And it's the only thing I have shame about in my life. Through the process of the 12 steps, I have been able to forgive myself for all of the horrible, wretched things I did in my addiction because I, I saw myself as a beloved child of God that was really sick. And that does better now. So um, in terms of fighting shame with the truth, look at this. It's actually a practical exercise. Okay, so right at the end of my drinking, I started, uh, I dabbled a little bit in cocaine. And the man that I was, oh, I just feel so sick to my stomach even saying this. It's just such a, I cannot believe that I did this. And this is something that I did. Um, I was having an affair. And the man that I was having an affair with liked cocaine. And so I invited him over to my house. Oh, fuck. I hope my ex-husband doesn't listen to this. This is so shameful. Okay. So I invited him over to my house under the guise of having a party with a lot of people. And so this man was in my backyard in the house on the property that my husband paid for the the king of the castle had no idea of what I was doing and I am so regrettably sorry for this anyways that was the like the cocaine was introduced into my life because after we were all I mean beyond drunk barely even standing um I allowed cocaine to come into my life and I believe that was the point where I allowed it to enter my ex-husband's life um as well so after doing lots of cocaine and drinking, um, uh, I remember standing in our cabana in the back and wanting, having to pee and wanting to go pee. And so I just let myself do it right there, standing up in my bathing suit in a cabana um, with other people on the other side of the bar of the cabana so no one could see it. You know, music was loud. We had a huge waterfall that fell into the pool so no one could hear it just because. And for me, that is the single most shameful evening of my life. It's the single most shameful action of my life. And the reason for me that that is so shameful for me in this body and who I am is because it represents a complete lack of control a complete lack of respect and of dignity for who I am the temple of my body and I have carried that with me until now and I may continue to carry it with me but I refuse to allow the lie that that shameful moment in my life is who I am um, because it's not it's what I do when I fill my body with things that make me want to blank out who I am, how I feel in my life. It just is. So there you go. Um, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Let's take another sip of tea, shall we? Okay, moving on. 
Um, just like I decided to not be fearful this year, I'm not going to allow myself to carry that anymore. So guess what, God? You and me together can do anything. So we say things like that because it's important to speak the truth and then we move on. So moving on. What else did I want to say about this? Oh, withholding who we are. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say. So God has created each and every one of us with our own unique abilities and talents. If you have ever watched a child grow up, you know that there is a personality there from the get-go. Yes, nurture is involved in how we ultimately end up in life, but we are born with very distinct personalities and talents. I am born with, for example, a very... And it blows me away. You know when you're good at something and you just don't know why? And yeah, you can say, oh, I've, like, I'm really good at classical guitar. And people can say, oh my God, you're so good. And I can say, yeah, I mean, I've been playing since I was 10. I went to the Royal Conservatory of Music, blah, blah, blah. But this is an innate ability for me. I can put my guitar down for two years, pick it up, and I play it as if I've been practicing all year. It's just a very easy natural talent for me. And yes, I've developed it, but that is something that's very unique to me. I also happen to be a very expressive person. My hands fly a lot when I'm talking, which is not something I learned or saw. It was just in me. So we all have very specific, unique qualities that can only come out when we're being who we were born to be. And God cannot use us when we're trying to be someone we're not. I happen to love Christine Kane. Uh, She is a Christian preacher and advocate for... um, freeing women and men from human trafficking and sex slavery and I look to her and I think if I could be a preacher like her I would be so thrilled but I think God looks at me and says Julie you are not Christine Kane so as long as you try and make yourself learn and be and express like Christine Kane I can't use Julie Godwin I can't do it so What I feel in my spirit that I would love for you to take away from this is just be who you are because God uses me more in my imperfections and what I think isn't the thing he wants to use within me than he does in the things that I think are awesome and I want everyone to notice and see. So be who you are. And then all of a sudden, all the opportunities you want, the relationships that you desire, the things that you want fall into your lap because it's like, This is the gift that I've been waiting to give Julie and Julie's been trying to be like Christine and I don't, I can't give Julie's gift to Christine. So then the gifts fall into your lap. So just like it says at the end here, gently like a flower, we can learn to open up. It takes time. Just like a flower, we don't just go boom when the sun comes out. It just takes time and it takes nurturing and watering and beautiful gentleness So that you know it's okay and it's safe. And the best way for me and the way that I learned that is in these rooms. Because in these rooms, these rooms don't exist for people to have it all together. These rooms exist for those of us who are so fucking helpless and broken that we need another way. And we come in here and we see we are all crazy. Y'all are all crazy. And I am exactly like you. So it's fun to be crazy with your own crowd. And I am never more myself than I am with my own people. I feel more open and able to share and more vulnerable in my 12-step friendships and fellowships than I do in my church. 
That's just the way it is. Because we can say some crazy shit to each other in meetings that I would never say in my church because you guys get it. We have a very unique, although we're not terminally unique, we're just like all the rest of us in the rooms, but we have very unique disturbances that people that aren't in recovery may be horrified and recoil from. So stay with us, peeps. If you're listening to this thinking you're not like us, get the fuck over yourself because you are. Just get in here, be with us, let us love you, and be done with it. Stop questioning. I hope you enjoyed this Friday with my tea and me. I, my God, I love you so much. Um, I'm excited to minister to the ladies this weekend. If you're wondering what Manresa is, you can also you can always Google it. Manresa Pickering, Canada, and uh, look at their retreats. They have religious retreats and they have 12-step retreats. So I love the 12-step retreats. This is my ninth consecutive year of going. And it's a really good thing to get away from the world and refocus, retreat our alcoholism and our addiction by just jumping back into the steps and reminding ourselves of how to do it and the magic of it. So I love you. Thank you for being with me. I'll talk to you soon.